This is Comet Picks by the Click. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Click. Hey, Jason Click. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, John. How about you? Oh, I'm just fine. <laughs> Our uh, things. We got, uh, what's, what do you have for us this time? Okay, this, today it's like, um, I'm going going back to like a more, more like a post-apocalyptic mood. Cause, yeah, not not to any particular reason, but just like a couple of things that I've had I've had for for a little while, re- more recently that that all happened to fall into like you know the post the uh, to a post-apocalyptic setting. And I figured, hey, you know, just toss toss them all together and just like make a show out of it. Okay. All right. Now, um, first thing I got right here is something I've had for a while since I'm. Um, like a couple months back, and this is um, Crossed um, by Garth Ennis and Jason Burroughs. Now, okay. yeah, now longtime readers will know that um, I love I love Garth Ennis to death. It's like, yep, yeah. I done, <laughs> I done podcasts on on his work on Preacher, on Hitman, on on Punisher, and I've talked about some of the. I'm sure I've talked about this other a lot of other stuff he's done at length on the on the blog and on this podcast as well. And now the thing about Ennis is that the man's got the man's got he doesn't have the biggest bag of tricks in, in the world. But he he's certainly really good at recombining um, the re- recombining them into um, new and interesting formations. It's like like he, like he like he's got a big thing about like um like bad things that like having like people getting their bodies mutilated. Talking about um, service in the military, um like gun um guns and whatnot. Um super like how much superheroes suck, and um just and also what it takes what it takes to um do the right thing in a morally corrupt world. Now. This now crossed, however, is kind of like at first guys typically his take on the on on zombies. It's just, mm. but um, because basically like this takes place in this in this world just like just like our own, only it's been infested by these these um, creatures called the crossed. Now no one knows like where this infection started, like how it began, but basically um, we've like the crossed are individuals with um cross shaped scars on their faces. And they are just like the meanest, scariest sons of bitches you can imagine. It's like they're they still have um their hum they still have human knowledge, um human intelligence, but whatever keeps them from from like whatever all the things that um in our minds that keep us from like from like um that keep us um acting um from acting on our own on our own worst impulses from like in order to like like work that allows us to work with each other to um, make sure that we we survive as a species. All that's all that stuff has been shut off, and all there and these guys are out just like um fuck everyone over in the worst way imaginable, literally in most cases as well. Because like um these guys, these things just like love love to fuck to fuck to eat to kill everything. It's worst everything. Worst, it's like yeah, it's like it's everything like carnal. Of, yes, it's like it's all of humanity's worst impulses um given physical form, and. And the thing is, uh, in this particular um, iteration uh, of, of Ennis's um, like bag of tricks, this actually takes him into Stephen King territory, mm-hmm. in the sense that it's you've got um, like bad things. What ha- it's like a, feel like what happens when bad things happen to ordinary people? <laughs> and you've got like a you got like a st- standard group of survivors um, led by this one by this one woman and her son, who who she's she's got enough um, knowledge and, and know how to keep to keep everyone alive and moving. And it's just like follows these characters as they um, try to survive. Like basically in a world where, hey, you know, things there is no like easy solution. This isn't a movie where things are gonna get better. And we're gonna just, like find a way to um, reverse the infection and get things back to normal at the end. No, this is our, this is our lives, and all we've got to look forward to is just another day when we're able to draw breath. Now, and it's 
like he does, and Ennis does a good job in um, in fleshing out the character, fleshing out the characters, especially like the uh, main, the main um, glasses. Like, I can't remember his name off the top of his. But the main guy, it's like he's the guy who's narrating all this. He's it's like he's just like your like your average like average low key Ennis hero, the kind of guy who the unassuming guy who's just like he's he's ordinary. Like he's just kind of like he's kind of he's kind of soft. He doesn't doesn't want like doesn't have particular goals besides him. Like no, maybe eventually um. Um, like trying, maybe trying to have sex with the um, lead girl at some point, but um, you get to see him, but you get to see him grow, grow out of that, see out of that mentality, and basically, um, grow into something that allows him to actually, like, you know, function as a, like, function as a real, as a real human, someone, someone you can respect, like, as things go on, as he realizes that, hey, you know, it's more, we don't, like, it's, sure, sure, we'll be able to survive against these things, but you no, know, what, what is it worth if we're not able to, like, still be human at the end of the day? And also, um, also I will admit there's also a bit nice. Um, there's a metafictional aspect to the cross as well because essentially, like these characters, like all the like, crazy things I've described about described about them. I mean, like you've all, it's like they basically represent um, all of Ennis's um, worst impulses in terms of um, like horror and shock and shock value. I mean, like guys who will, like characters who will stick their dick into any bodily orifice, even the ones they've just made. Guys who will just like um, wield who um, characters who wield horse cocks as weapons, huh. um, like so. Basically, you've got like, like, and but this allows him to actually like get all of like have all of his um like like his gross, sick out, um, disgusting black humor in a set of character in a different set of characters, and allow him to focus on the business of like what what this what what's happening to these characters at what happens what's happening to the human to the human members of his audience of the of the story as well. And so I got that. So I commend. Remember finding a good way around that, and also, um, like I will admit that like the um, the themes of like what it takes to become human in a world that's that's no longer what we recognize, it does it is quite familiar and will definitely um strike seem very familiar to people who read the walk Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead. Um, the difference is like while Kirkman's taking a very long form approach to this, I mean like it's basically like well, what happens to the characters after the, after the zombie movie ends. With Ennis, I mean these these uh, ten issues that are collected here. I will admit it's like it's even though it covers a lot of the same territory, the um like the short like the short page count, the um smaller page count he's, he's having to work with here does give him does actually force him to like um speed see things up and give him more energy. Like it's what it is quite it's quite literally a go for the throat um like approach right here. Like you, he'll have, he'll deal with um, like certain issues that would take um, Kirkman a whole volume and not saying that either approach is um, right or wrong, but it's just that it's, it's a different approach. And like, well, um, crossed is like, is really like, like a lot, like a big shot of adrenaline. It's like driving you throughout these, these 10 issues. Um, it's like, it's probably, it's probably good that like something like this is best taken in small doses as opposed to the walking dead, which, um, Kirkman knows how to pace things so that you're so that, um, 12 volumes in, so, and we're still like dying to know what happens next. Now, Crossed, um, in a usual um, uh, um, fashion, has um, actually been is going to be expanded onto an ongoing series from creators who aren't um, Ennison Burroughs. Oh, one thing, um, Jason Burroughs. Like, well, I, I do tend to give artists a short shrift here on this podcast, but I will say that um, Burroughs does a great job with all the. All the characters, all the violence. I mean, his work here recalls um, stuff that um, Ennis's frequent collaborator, um, Steve Dillon, um, does right here in his skill with um, char- with body with body language and character emotion. It's great stuff right here. Oh, and also one thing. Oh, 
one thing I also want to talk about this volume is that um, at one, in the very in one of the um, early chapters, there's a uh, one of the guys here who basically he's kind of like the, uh, the the geek type character who basically thinks we're still living in the movie and we just have to find the right way to allow them allow them to fight back. Mm-hmm. You know, and but the thing is, like John, if you saw this guy, you'd swear that he he bears a um, not inconsiderable resemblance to one of our one of our buddies on No Podcast for Old Men. <laughs> so I mean, you look at this and like basically, Ennis is saying that hey, you know, like in this uh, new harsh world that is ruled by the cross, the geeks will be the first to die. No <laughs> yeah. So when that happens, when the cross apocalypse happens, we're fucked. So, but still, like this. Um, the series is going to be elaborated on by creators who aren't um, Ennis and Burroughs. And um, the first first series, which is ongoing right now, um, Family Values by David Lapham, um, it's interesting because, like, well, Ennis, like, does, like, throw a lot of morally ambiguous situations right here. Um, Lapham does – it's really doing something that um, I almost consider beyond the pale because basically his – this next – his volume basically centers around a child molester who basically um, winds up leading this group of, um, of humans and, like – Against like in order to survive against the cross, and basically it's it's he's insinuating that the, this kind of this guy's scary mindset is what allows him to have the the means to survive against these these crazy things. I mean it's scary, um, disturbing stuff, but I'm kind of intrigued by the premise of the series that that tries to um that's trying to like find find some constant one upsmanship to see who's got who can um develop the most morally ambiguous scenarios and characters. So. I'll be looking forward to that, and you can expect a full report um, once um, once that from volume is finished, and um, I'll have and the collected edition is in my hand. Now, that said, moving on to something that is um, far less morally ambiguous and um, far far less intelligent intelligent. Well, actually, I, no, I don't even want to say because I haven't I haven't proved that this that um, this, this series even had a brain to begin with. I talk I'm talking about Wolverine: Old Man Logan by Mark Miller and Steve McNiven. Hmm. Now, most people will probably, probably recall that I I did my best to um, rip Miller a new one um, after his work after I um, read through it read through um, Kickass earlier this year. It's still absolutely terrible. Um, I'm not taking anything back about that, but um, I will say that um, Wolverine: Old Man Logan is definitely more readable, if only for the fact that um, it like I said, I'm not it's not asking me it's not asking us to take this. Um, Take any of this stuff that's happening in this volume seriously. Now, premise is basically an well. Let's say it, I'll get it out of the way. It's an un, it's an unholy mashup of the classic X Men story, Days of Future Past, with, mixed with um with um Unforgiven and Mad Max, with um by way of um Mark Miller's original premise for Wanted, which is um basically that the um supervillains finally teamed up and um wiped all the superhero, superheroes off the face of the earth. Gotcha. Yeah, except for Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, only problem is Wolverine's been a broken man. All he is, he's just living in the wilds of California, living with his wife, two kids, and um, just trying, trying to uh, make he got an honest living, and in order to pay the um, pay um, ho- pay the Hulk's um, hillbilly, like hillbilly children, um, the rent he needs in order to stay alive. Now, when I was like, now it's like as we as the story starts out, like rents rents come due, they don't have the money, and now. Like Wolverine's got to find a way to um, scrape together the cash to pay to pay the rent for them. Enter Hawkeye, um, now now blind and um, like try, and driving um and driving um Spider-Man's old Spider-Mobile. Huh. Um, he he approaches Wolverine with the 
with the proposition to um to go to to like um help him deliver this this um like this cargo to to new like um to to, to um to New York City or New Babylon as it's being called these days, huh. and and basically you got to go. It's like all he has to do is just uh, drive him along, like just drive him and like hey, drive him, make sure he gets gets there all right. You know, simple proposition. What could go wrong? Just about just about everything is yeah. they encounter. Yeah, they encounter everything from like from from moloids, like mole creatures, to um ghost, to, like ghost ride spawn of ghost rider, <laughs> um, dinosaurs, um dinosaurs being entrapped by venom symbiotes, um and just like all sorts all sorts of crazy shit. And yeah, I will give I will give Miller Miller this. It's written, this thing is you can tell his enthusiasm for for the material and the fact that he believes that this he, you can tell with his whole whole heart that this belie- that he believes wholeheartedly in this in the scenario that he's cooked up. The problem is that this scenario he's cooked up is basically no better than um, some thirteen year old's fan fiction on the internet. <laughs> yeah, because basically, it's the way it works out. It's like there's no like it's just like all this stuff is kind of just like you're. It's, he's just presenting it in a way that's like, oh, you know, it's like it's oh, what if like what if Wolverine was like, you no, know, he was broken, man, and then when. Then like the whole he's got hill folks out there. He's ruling California. He's got hillbilly grandchildren. It's like the only person he could have sex with was She-Hulk, his cousin. And then it's like and then now it's like what if what if he came with Hawkeye who was blind, man? Makes him, having him blind makes him more awesome because he can still um shoot shit because he can because he can hear because he can hear them just like um straight by target them by the sound of the, by, by the sound of their voice. Oh, and then but then he's also got his daughter called the Spider Bitch because she's like the descendant of Peter Parker and stuff like that. And and then you've also, then you also have the venom, like venom taking over, yeah, venom taking over the, um, taking over dinosaurs, man. Oh, and then they're also driving the spider mobile, cause like the spider mobile, no, it's, it's stupidest thing ever, but it's also cool, man, cause it's like it's, it does everything that, um, that Spider-Man can. Only it's a car. And then, but, you know, what if we, um, we found a way to do this when, um, like with the with the Red Skull who organized superheroes and then like organized all the, organized all the supervillains and they got them to take over. Take over the world because like they got cause, like there's so many more supervillains that are superheroes and it's just like that for eight freaking issues. And if if I was 13 year old, years old, I would have thought this was goddamn coolest thing ever. But right. you know, as I am not 13 years old, and I can, and um, it's kind of like stuff like this makes you wonder, you know, what, you no, know, did I, like, did Mark Miller have have talent to begin with, or was I just um like blinded by the hype? around him at the time it's like mm-hmm. i mean it's like but still i mean like miller at least does know how to work with um great artists um Stephen given guy draws the hell out of every every single scene here i mean as ridiculous as some of the stuff i've talked about um sounds um he he makes i will admit that he does make it look look very cool and um it's yeah it's like and on one hand it's like it's like i said it's not nearly as bad as kick-ass and definitely proves that miller's um stuff is Better, works better when you're placed in the context of superheroes, well, actual superheroes. Um, but um, overall, it's like this, like this is, um, this is just kind of like, um, it's just like, like it reads like, like, like fan fiction, and um, it also sets things up for a proposed sequel that I've heard him talk, talking about at the end. And uh, I don't know, it's like the, it's it seems like he's um, at the end he's moving on from like. Ripping off Unforgiven and Mad Max to ripping off um, Lone Wolf and Cub, 
but um, we'll we'll see where that goes, or even if that goes anywhere. If I decide to um, pick up pick the next volume winner, if it gets released, but mm-hmm. all I'll say is that hey, you know, there's there's better Wolverine stories out there, and um, expect some sort of um podcast on um when I go back and reread um uh, Mark Miller's other work, just to realize, just to like clarify, so I can get a better understanding of like you know was it like does has he just gotten worse over the years or was he just terrible to begin with? Mm. Sorry, Mark, but that that's how I see it right now. He's going more commercial, you may think. Uh, not, I don't know. The man's always been um pretty commercial. It's like he's, okay. yeah, he's always had a like, the man's like an incredible huckster. It's like he's kind of like he, he's great at um, drumming up enthusiasm for um for all of his projects by making like all outrageous claims. Like at one point he talked, he said that Eminem was going to be the star of of Wanted, and even drew had had the artist draw the main character to um, look look like Eminem. And it's like that's kind of like stuff that stuff that he does, and like it does it like as ridiculous as it sounds, it does get a lot of people excited about this stuff. And you know, it'd be great if people that could actually like find a way to heart like learn from what he's done, so they can um hype their own stuff this to um, to, to this extent. But as it is, like I said, I need to go back and start rereading some of his stuff, and just just see if it's just if it's just me or was I if it, if it's um if it's me or if it's if it's the work itself. Okay, but you know, speaking of things that have have um, regrettably gotten gotten worse over the years, or not necessarily gotten worse, but just like ended on a on a on a bad note, I bring I talk about on um, the latest falling of the Dark Tower, Battle of Jericho Hill. Now, I did a podcast on this a while ago, and I talked about how how like it it was a series that you know I I liked, but you know it could have and should have been better because just because of the way that um I wish a series that I had followed more like a uh, like an actual comic book, rather than just like a series of illustrated pic- illustrated pictures with text, and this this last volume, which is like, which is basically like I'm designed to bring an end to the, uh, like to to the um to the Dark Tower story, well to this first round of Dark Tower stories that Mar- Marvel has been has been telling with um with artist Jay Lee and um colorist Richard Eisenhoff, along with um like. See plotters and writers, plotters and scripters, um, Robin Firth and, and Peter David. Um, this volume basically um, picks up after the end of, of the, pre- the previous volume, The Fall of Gilead, and um, basically has has Roland um, ma- um, gathering gathering his troops and basically fi- finding a way to, to lay siege against the evils of the good man, John Farson. Now, anyone who can tell you who's read the books can tell you that no, he doesn't win, but um, like things came to a head at the Battle of Jericho Hill. And you know, it's like just reading this this volume. It it's something that it just feels like it maximizes the series' weaknesses while minimizing its strengths. I mean, it, it jumps around a lot, a lot in time. We could cover like it, we jump forward nine years from issue one to issue two. There was only like four like four issues to really get any kind of head going for the uh, for the titular battle, which you know doesn't really come off like a battle or anything. It's just more like a slaughter, and um, like. And they also just rely on a lot of like um like stock plot devices like the um the trade like the trader in the hero's midst and like the heroes making making their tra- their tragic last stand. It's no, it's like I, I I wanted wanted more from this, but just the end. It's like as one of my buddies point point out to me, it's like wait wait and finishes up. You figure that um Roland like just wouldn't let it end like this. Like he would go out and like um straight out murder John Farson for what. From what he does to the guys at, at the at the battle, but no, that's not what happens. And you're just kind of left with a uh, oh, 
and that's it. You know, it's like I, it's it's, a, it's another description of like a we gotta wrap the story up now um type tale. So I mean, it's like it's like Jay Lee's art. You know, it's as good as it's been throughout throughout the course of the series. I just wish that we had gotten more of a uh, like a sequential art um version of of the story rather than just like you know text text of pictures. I mean, like some of the stuff I like I said, I'd love to have uh like um. So it's like this stuff is worthy of framing, but as it is, it's just kind of like, you know, I just wish they kind of gone for more comic book oriented um, style. Still, I am kind of interested in the next volume because then they're cause actually going to be working with one of my favorite artists, Sean Phillips, and it's not entirely clear whether or not they're going to be they're actually going to be adapting the uh, first volume of the Dark Tower, the Gunslinger, but or if they're just going to be continuing on the story from here. But you know, like it's. I say, I'm hoping against hope that this next volume is going to be good, but I can at least say it's going to look great because um, of Sean Phillips. Because you know the man does not do bad work, but um, but beyond that, well, I'll let you know. I'll let you know about um, six months or so when the hard when the hardcover arrives. Yeah. So, and on that note, we're going to call it a night, and I'll be back in back in two weeks on um, talking about more comics related business. Okay, well, until then, we'll see you next time. Okay, laters. Later.